Oh. Uh, it was all right um, here. Is it cruel? Was it cruel in Cornwall? Basically, we had a we had a we had a high of thirty one. That's all right, man. That's just yeah. about right with the yeah. sea breeze and everything. That's fine. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, man. I tell you, Tuesday I ran a bath. Right, uh, my flat was totally roasting. I ran a, a lukewarm bath and I sat in there from two till five, um, and got out, made some dinner. And I thought, you know what, it's too hot. I'm going to go back in, just for, just die back in the bath from 6 till, till 10. It was like impossible to do anything. No no work done. Just aquatic, like a like a hippo for uh, all day, essentially. What is it now? Um, How is it? What, 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 what's your temperature now? It's fine. I think it's come back to 26. So we had like two random days of plus 10, essentially. So now it feels like a normal a normal temperature, which is, uh, which is fine. So um yes i was quite wrink i was quite wrinkly natalie quite right uh i mean like an amphibian i was like an amphibian quite right but it was there was no there was no way no way out of it anyway we're live everybody uh we're live it's brain food live on air i'd say i bring it to you every friday but it's actually thursday today your eyes don't deceive you we moved the show forward 24 hours for a very special reason we almost never do this um, but we're talking about how, can recruiters do a four-day week? And the people we've got on the panel today have been doing a four-day week. And, of course, Friday is the day they take away. So we're not going to do it. Uh, we're planning to do it on, 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 the, on the Friday. We couldn't actually get any guests. We had to move further forward. So Brainfield Live today is going to be uh, uh, happening uh, on Thursday. Uh, anyway, I hope everyone is here and ready to, to have a really interesting conversation. I wanted to do this show for a little while. Um, and the reason being is because we are seeing this movement about, hey, let's do a four-day week on full pay. Is this a good idea? Let's go ahead and do it. And I think most people are very sympathetic to the concept. However, it occurred to me as recruiters that we have some unique, kind of unique conditions about our job. Um, like, how do we do four-day week? Is it even possible? Because we take calls on Sundays. Um, you know, we have to call candidates on off times when they're available, not when we're available. Um, we have this always on call, always dealing with emergency type of ethos. How does that apply when we're saying, oh, suddenly four-day week? Do we actually down tools for three days and not handle anything? I'm interested to know. So we've got people today that are working in recruitment as recruiters, as agency, as in-house, as people who are adjacent to recruitment. They're all going to talk to us about their experience of moving to this model and seeing how it works. If you're thinking about it, whether you're a recruitment agency or you're an in-house recruiter with a business that's thinking about making this move, um, this is the show for you. Um, okay, cool. Let's talk about, uh, oh, let's say hi to our um uh, let's do some sound checks. Actually, I'm totally off where I'm at. Just to make sure everyone can hear where, what I'm saying. Quick sound check. You do check this folks. every time, every single time. You get your, you get the order wrong. Why don't you just go with the order that you're trying to do and make that the standard? I, I just don't know how to do it anymore, mate. My brain's fried. It's I, I blame the heat. I think certain like brain cells have been burned away through the heat. You, you heat, did like, it in January. You did it in January. It's, it's, it's probably like a permanent heat stroke, like slow moving heat stroke. Um, but anyway, folks, if you can hear me okay, please say hello. Um, I need to hear you on Crowdcast. That's the most important channel. 
Um, people do watch this on LinkedIn. So if you can see me on LinkedIn, just let me know whether you can hear me okay. And we're on Facebook has suddenly recovered its viewing figures back up to the hundreds in there. So if you can hear me on Facebook, please say hello. Um, and Twitter, I think we should be out there somewhere. No one watches it on Twitter, but you know what? I'm keeping pounding it out. Um, okay, at least Jamie can hear us. That's fucking great. Um, sorry, I shouldn't be swearing, <laughs> but there we go. Um, right, quick word to our sponsors. Um, we can't do this without our sponsors, folks. So um, I want to give a quick shout out to our buddies at Platypus, platypus.io. Not only the best name of a software company, also the best branding. Look at the color scheme. Look at the logo. Um, and also a really cool tool. Uh, platypus.io are basically the, one of the very few companies that produce a, so, a service that helps you assess according to team compatibility. In other words, they analyze the behavioral characteristics of your current team, and that will tell you whether the person coming in is going to do certain things with the new team when they join. I think it's a really, really interesting concept, really interesting idea. It's getting away from the concept that, hey, a job is a job, because a job is usually in context to a team. So what's important is how does that person actually behave within team? And then that helps managers adjust their behaviors or you know understand how they need to operate as a, as a, as a leader of that unit. Um, so do check Platypus out. They're a cool business coming out of Denmark, um, uh, actually led by a good friend of mine, Nico Blia Silvest. Uh, he is a very good dude. Uh, okay, uh, check them out there. Did I actually manage to paste it in there? I don't think I did. Let me just put platypus.io into the chat um, and make sure you check them out. Okay, um, let's get on with the show. Adam Gordon, good to see you back here. Um, uh, I've got to ask you about the newsletter, man. Did you read it? And if you did, what was interesting, man? I did. Um, and as always, lots of interesting things. First one I wanted to talk about was um, the really interesting five things to look for in your first head of talent article. Mm. This is for startup businesses, really. And it's, it's aimed at founders. It's for, for founders to determine, like, right, you've not got anybody doing HR type stuff. So now you need to bring somebody in because you're getting to a scale where you need it. And the reason that I thought it was so interesting is not from the perspective of startup founders, but from the perspective of people who want to really excel in their career. This is not written by people who have got a you know TA or, or talent background. It's written by people that have got a business, uh, you know, gen more generalist business background. And exactly. so yeah. it's interesting to hear from them. Now, the five things uh, were... A product and process mindset, which I'll come back to in a second. That was number one. Being a great storyteller, yeah. number two. Being inspirational, number three. Somebody who can build great relationships with colleagues, number four. And somebody who really takes DNI seriously, number five. Uh, I'm not sure that should be number five, but I'm, I'm glad it's in the top five. Um, the, the order is interesting, isn't it? Because I think a, a HR recruitment person wouldn't have put the first three in there at all. So, so I'd be interested to know what these founders think. So, um, mm. or these VCs, whoever wrote this thing, um, you know, I'd be interested to know what uh, what those were. Let's explore it a little right. bit more. Mate. So, the the thing about a product and process mindset that was explained as somebody who's able and it, and it very much puts recruitment up at the up at the front as being you know one of the most important aspects of this whole thing. Um, the example of having a product and process mindset was building a recruitment machine, I'm quoting here, which looks like your marketing pipeline. I read that and went, 
yes, I can empathize with that particular piece of information. So like the product and process mindset is something that um, I do hear um, talent leaders in startup, scale up, VC backed businesses talking about it like that, because that's what the business does. It builds products and, um, you know, it's not, um, we're a little bit too loose. A lot of companies are way too loose in terms of the way that they do recruitment. And yep. they don't think about it as systematic. And of course, yep. startup businesses think of everything as systematic. So um, it makes sense that they would consider recruitment to be like that. And actually, I've talked to lots of startup and scale-up business founders over the years who have spoken about recruitment like that. About mm. They've talked about it in terms of like, it needs to be a funnel and everything, you know, everything needs to be uh, really logical logically you know logical and have the ability to scale and be repeatable well yeah i mean that's the thing scale is the key and i think product makers especially you know the, the, the what the startup world has given us is not only a vocabulary to describe this um but also a couple of techniques because scaling something out with a small team without having like thousands of people do things is basically what startup is all about um and we've been able to learn a lot about product from product development and maybe apply it to what is, you know, maybe not being that type of system. And let's not forget, when a product is scaling, typically you need to scale the organization at a similar rate. Um, so it kind of makes sense to apply some of those lessons in. So very interesting that they talked about that as a criteria for a head of TA. And I, I really love the second one as well, being a great storyteller. So this is really important when it comes to employee engagement. And what's the internal experience and what's the journey design? You know, what's the experience designed for the individuals? And of course, what that means for employer brand as well. So, you know, that, that, that ability to, uh, the ability to take people on a journey and, and achieve influence at the different points that matter uh, is a great way of describing it would be being a great storyteller. So I love that too. Yep. Yeah, I think so. I think that's an essential criteria for any leader. Maybe it is, has always been a leadership quality to be able to kind of narrativize. Is that even a word? You know, to be able to create yeah. some sort of narrative about why you're doing these things. And that's got to be a big part of why people are motivated to be there. Um, because at the end of the day, if, you, if you're doing something mechanical or doing something repetitive or whatever it is, you need to have a higher reason to do this. Um, and if you can see, you know what, if I just dig in and bat through this spreadsheet over the next couple of hours or whatnot, I know the reason why I'm doing that is because I'm building this organization that's going to help do this, this, and this. That's going to help you motivate to get through that tough chunk of work. So, um, so yeah, I think it may be a key criteria, even more so these days, I think, because we're very communication heavy. Um, I don't think leaders can hide behind the old office anymore. Like we're all doing it by Zoom, right? So how can you lead? Uh, it, it, the storytelling become a more important part of the job now that we're generally remote? I think it probably does, right? Because you're no longer able to rely on that always there type of situation. You have to be able to more intermittently uh, sell the story and get m mobilized the, uh, the team to do stuff. So everyone who aspires to leadership i think needs to develop storytelling uh techniques um okay yeah. cool um what else uh, man and another sorry it's another one that's a bit startup -y, but the startup compensation report was quite uh useful as well yeah um the sort of summaries were I'll, I'll mention the summary bit first and then i'll talk about a couple of things which really stood out to me so 
Uh, remote working, uh, you know, obviously soars. Uh, they use the term geo-adjusting as the norm, which means hiring people wherever and adjusting what you're paying them based on yep. where they are. So, you know, hire people in Singapore, you're going to have to pay more than you will if you hire them in Pakistan. And I think what it means, not only adjusting, but if you move to those places, they will adjust you down if required. So that was a controversial position. I think Meta adopted this um, and they were lambasted at the time for saying, you know, what you should pay, what the job is worth, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but according to the data here from Carter, the majority of companies have gone this way because it kind of makes sense, obviously. Um, otherwise, you know, you'd be paying, you know, hundreds of thousands to people who traditionally have, were earning nowhere near that, um, and, and living at an extraordinarily sort of elevated situation according to the local living, uh, cost of living. Yeah. Two others that really stood out were, um, companies of, uh, a valuation between one and 10 million engineering hires account for 50% of payroll. Yep. Yep. Um, which actually go, goes down to companies that are in the billion plus valuation. It goes down to thirty four percent. I think it was. Um, so I guess that's salespeople the, in. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not just the salespeople because salespeople make up um, some of the early people as well. It's it's more so all those other, other administrative functions like legal, which incidentally mm. is the highest highest paying, highest earning um, of all. It was legal, followed by strategy, followed by product, followed by engineering. But the fastest growth was uh, in, in, in salaries was for salespeople. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I can see that in the market today, the amount of money that salespeople, um, it's, it's going through the roof. Uh, yep. Yep. Great salespeople are, are looking to get paid. Um, and oh. then the last one on, sorry, go on. No, no, no. By the way, people should read this post irrespective of where you start or not, because it tells you a lot about how people, how hiring occurs during different sizes and scales of these businesses. Fascinating data. And you can trust this data, by the way. It's not just like crawling from job ads. What Carter do, they're in, they're in a category called compensation tech. Um, so they actually have payroll data. Um, and that's like very unusual that a company has is able to aggregate payroll data in this way. Lots of companies in this space, check them out, figures.hr, Heron app here. Lots of companies are trying to do various things. So I think it's a growing category, very interesting. But uh, yeah, they can produce content like this, which kind of makes it all worthwhile for us on the outside. Uh, yeah, the last the last bit that really stood out on this was the amount of people getting fired was on the rise in the last year. 29% of people leaving businesses um, were uh, in these companies were getting fired. Yeah, yeah, classic startup stuff, boom and bust in terms of gro growth and uh, and and uh, degrowth. Cool. One more, mate, before we get into this. Yeah, let's talk about Discord. Um, so I think it was the article was like an introduction to Discord for people that don't really know what it is yet. Um, so Discord is real time, uh, real time engagement, video, voice, and text, and you get what's called. Discord servers, that's your own Discord area where you can talk about whatever. It started up, for, it was for gamers originally. So I think everybody that was on it was talking about games. And, but that, that's now only 30% of it. I was on a, first time I went onto Discord, it was for people who were going immediately after, in the last series of Line of Duty, you know, people were going on to this Discord group about um, server about uh, Line of Duty and like, what the hell was that? 
what happened, what do we think is going on next, you know, and uh, that's that's the, that was the first time I went on it, and um, yeah, I mean, it's for geeks, like let's face, it's not like Facebook where your granny's on it. It's for it's for enthusi- like, like real hobbyist enthusiast geeks around particular subjects. What can we do with it from a talent acquisition perspective? Well, in those areas, like those really uh, technical areas, in areas of especially, of course, technology, that's the obvious one. But maybe areas like healthcare and things like that as well. Could we bring people together with hiring managers to talk about you know, specific subjects. I don't know why it's better or different than a lot of other channels which already exist. But my question for you, Hung, is why do we not do Brain Food Live on Discord? Um, inertia. Um, <laughs> basically, stuck yeah. on... No, it's not. I'm going to do something on, on, on Discord. I already have a Discord server. Yeah. I just haven't fired it up or activated it. Um, because I wanted not to duplicate anything. And you know, one of the rules of brain food is that I'm never carbon copying one thing from one channel to the next. It has to be a fresh idea, a fresh yeah. concept. Yeah. But I think brain food live is always going to stay on Crowdcast and multi uh, stream everywhere. But I think what Discord allows is much better audience participation. And I know we're getting great chat on the chat stream here and stuff like this, but it is still only us on screen. And we're going to bring Natalie on and Steven and Kasia and stuff like that in a bit, but there's still me selecting people to come on, right? So there's only going to be a small group of people being able to participate. What Discord might allow us to be able to do is for everyone in the crowd or everyone in the rooms to be able to basically interact with a much larger audience. Um, and I remember actually Joan Lockwood uh, years ago, two years ago, middle of COVID, she set up um, one of the first true, uh, I think true diversity, I think it was. I forget what the name of it, Joe. Uh, forgive me on this. But she put it on Discord and it was amazing. Brilliant, brilliant, true experience. So I'm kind of surprised no one's done a true experience on on, on Discord yet. Um, but if someone isn't going to do it, I might well to give it a shot because I think that idea of being able to wander through different rooms and have conversations with different people on different topics, and then you don't like that and you jump into another room, that seems to me like something that is totally doable and really interesting to do. So let me know what you think, folks. Drop me a comment in the chat stream or on uh, sort of the LinkedIn thread, wherever you're watching it. Would it be useful for us to do some sort of uh, event or some sort of virtual meetup uh, within Discord? Because... I'd be, I'm basically reliant on what, whether this is fluent to recruiters or not, because as you say, Adam, it is a little bit avant-garde um, and, you know, it might end up just me and me and you, which to be honest with you, Adam, I don't find that appealing to be fair. Uh, so <laughs> 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 We'll see whether we get anybody interested in it. All right. That's this. That's just cool. Let's get on with the show. Um, we're talking about four-day working week. Adam, before we bring our guests on, I want to bring this to you because prior to obviously moving to iSIMS and so on, I remember you talking about um, potentially thinking about it for candidate ID. So can you walk us through your thought process as a business leader at the time and where you were and what you thought the challenges were, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, we, we looked at it in quite a lot of detail. Now, bear in mind, this was a company of 22 people. So... Um, you would expect that that would mean that it's much easier than for a company of you know thousands of people. However, it wasn't. And uh, Jane, uh, who was my CFO, and myself 
did like a couple of like little working groups with people around how do you, how would it work for you and whatever. And we 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 tried to work it out. We wanted to do it. We were all of the leadership, you know, the four five people in the leadership team at Candidate ID were up for it, but with some people already working four days a week and getting paid mm. four days a week. And mm. with some people doing five days over four, or in one case, five days over three. And with the, trying to equalize it so that everybody got the same type of value from doing this was, was, was just proving too difficult. And we didn't ever come to a conclusion, we are not doing this, but we, we had to park it because it was too difficult and we had other things happening. Um, so we, we love the concept. I love the concept. I really love it. I'd like to be able to do it even in a small team. It was, there was so many complications with it just around normalizing things for everybody. Yep. So you've already introduced a really interesting complication, which I'm sure when people think about it, um, they, they, they it, it will, it will understand the challenge. So actually your the fact that you were already progressive with having flexible styles of working. That was the problem. Caused, yeah, caused, like if you were just already nine to five, five days a week, then yes, you can switch. So if, in other words, if you've already done some innovation on this in terms of giving people some options, flexibility, typically you would have reduced weight, you would have reduced salary, right? You'd say, hey, listen, you can work three day a week, but you know what, we'll pro-roster it down. Is that a yeah, fair we deal? Yeah, we have yeah, people doing that. Yeah, we have people doing that. That seems like a fair deal. Yeah. And you had a third circumstance where you could crunch down the same hours in a short period of time. I forget time compression, I think that's called. So yep. there's another way of doing it. But then suddenly we're talking about four day working week on full pay as five. That sort of generates a new thing. So there's a straightaway, uh, it almost penalizes progressive companies because what you've already done progression wise might cause you now to have a complicated switch. Um, very interesting. Let's bring on Jamie and Kasha. First of all, we've got a bunch of guests to bring on. We can't bring them all at the same time. because there's too many on screen, but I want to bring Jamie and Kasha on because they're both running, I want to say similar businesses, but they're running like as businesses servicing the recruiting industry uh, where they've got a lot of control. And I want to hear what they're thinking about this as they, as they've made this move. So let's hope we can get these uh, folks on board um very busy people by the way so i need to be thankful for their donation of their time um like uh, here's a here's here's the question i'm going to be asking jamie and that is maybe we could all do four days working and the fifth day's a festival every week <laughs> sounds great sounds great jamie you just do the festivals mate forget about working um we'll do it that way no, that's that's not that's not working clearly Indeed, indeed. Okay, so we have Jamie and Kasha on, uh, very famous people in the recruiting space. I'm sure you don't need uh, a sort of any introductions, but let's do the introductions anyway. Jamie, quickly, who are you? What it is you do? I'm Jamie Leonard, co-founder and CEO of the Recruitment Events Company. We do RecFest. Amazing. And how great was RecFest a couple of weeks ago? It's absolutely fabulous. I'm going to share the link in the chat room there. And Kasha Tang, Kasha, how you doing? Long time no see. How are things? Yeah, really good. Um, and since I last saw you, uh, we started up uh, Super Source Me with uh, Karina, uh, Karina Latus, and um, we're doing sourcing training companies in Poland. Amazing. Great to see you both on screen. So you, as I understand it, have both switched to this four day a week uh, uh, sort of modus operandi. Um, can you uh, tell us like what was the 
thinking behind that? Why did you want to do it? Um, and uh, what would you do differently? Like, with, uh, we'll talk about the things that you think went well, but what would you do differently if you could replay the entire journey? Um, so, Kasha, let's start with you on this. Uh, why did you switch to this, this mode? Yeah, so I think it's interesting because we never really switched. So um, back when we started working with Carolina, it was sort of informal first um, over the pandemic. And then uh, when we knew that we were going to start a company, we sort of knew we wanted to work four days a week. And this was an ongoing discussion that we were always had. Um, and when we first started, it was just the two of us. It's hard to say we worked four days a week or five days a week because, frankly, we published our book right away and we just had non-stop workshops um so i can't tell you how much we worked in the first couple of months but right after when we were hiring uh the first person for the team we knew that we wanted to work four day a week um uh, because i guess for us it's very simple because we offer workshops because we're only there for two weeks, for sorry, for two days, um, working with a client, we need to know that we're on top of our game. Mm. And to do that, uh, it's very important that we're well rested, right? Because for a client, it doesn't matter how well you work, uh, you know, in two weeks, it's just the two days that they're going to judge you on. And so we needed to make sure that we're very well rested. Um, and Fridays was Fridays off was an easy decision because, uh, well, no one really traditionally wants training on Fridays. We don't want it either because it takes, you know, over the weekend, people forget what they learned. And by the time that they start um, trying it out, they forgot half the, of what you taught them. Um, but for us, it wasn't just um, the four-day uh, work week. When we were working together, the two of us, um, each of us had her own working hours. So again, when we were thinking of growing the team, of finally hiring someone, we thought we wanted to make sure that they can work the same way we do. So right away, we wanted to make sure that we have extreme flexibility with the hours. And so we don't now say that it's a four-day four work week as much as it's a four-day availability to the clients. You can decide to work on a Friday if you want to. It's up to you. If you're off, like if if you're feeling off on a Wednesday, for example, um, you can you can make that decision. Uh, but our clients can only expect us to be available four days a week. That's really really interesting. Two things to, to, to that you've introduced here, which I want to kind of uh, underline for people. Firstly, the nature of the work, the nature of your work actually is a big component to whether this is viable or not. And in fact, when you do it, should you do it? Like what it is you do as a company? So this is a, one of those parts where you need to reflect on yourself and think, okay, what is it actually you do? This is back to the Simon Sinek type of thing. Um, you have to understand this very, very, in a very like uh, a deep way before you move into this type of uh, scenario. The second part of it that you mentioned uh, which is very interesting, Kasha, uh, was that the, the, there was the, sort of the delivery of it, two days was, a, was the, the, if you like, the, the, the stock product was two days. So that's the most thing that you sell. That actually makes sense because five days in a week, like what are you going to do? You're going to squeeze in half of what you do and then flip it over to Monday. doesn't make sense. Like it may make sense to just put it into, there's almost like the unit size of the thing that you deliver may make sense to put it into this format. And the final thing, which I just want to address here, which I thought was a really important point, and, and Colin actually mentioned it in the chat stream there, 
it's not four days a week on, it's the availability has to be four days. And I think that helps us think about it from a recruitment point of view, because one of the things I was thinking of when I started thinking about this show was, hey, aren't recruiters meant to be 24 by 7 availability? You're not working solidly through that time. But if your client calls you, a candidate calls you, whatever the time, you're kind of meant to pick it up, right? Um, that's, that's your job. You can't go dark for three days. So um, it kind of maybe this concept, the idea that your availability needs of a certain uh, sort of uh, period, but you can slide that around so long as it's coverage, that makes sense. Okay, great stuff, Kasia. Stay with us on this. Jamie, let's go to you on this. That's the same question, really. Um, when you're doing an events business, um, I guess supplying to agencies, supplying to recruiters and recruitment market, the market in general. Um, same question. Why did you move to four day week? What was your thinking and, and what would you, you know, how did it all work out for you? I think it's something really interesting that Kazi said. I'm going to come back on to that because I think I've never actually been able to put it into words. But I think Kazi's put it into words really well there. <clears throat> why, did, um, why did we move to four day week? At the time, we were running probably 35 events a year and our staff were just getting burned out. Um, we were losing people, people were moving to jobs that weren't as high pressure. Um, people were getting um, uh, mental kind of um, I- I issues and psychological issues. And it was purely based on if we can maintain the productivity and do it over four days, we will move. Um, so the, 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 the priority was, was always the people. It wasn't about let's do it because it's a fun thing to do or let's do it because we think it's going to make us more money. It was purely about we've got people that are completely and utterly burning out here on a fairly regular basis. But interesting what Kazi said, they're actually our business is quite similar. In essence, we're both event businesses. And what's really interesting, like Kazi said, you know, you get judged for the most part on those two training days. We get judged 95% on the event itself, right? Our clients couldn't give, couldn't really give a damn about what happens in the build up. They're judging us based on that day. So we both have very kind of finite products that we sell, if that makes sense. So, if we're not there on a Friday, um, the worst case scenario, someone's artwork hasn't turned up for the brochure saying, OK, we do it Monday. No one's dying. So I think I think there's some real similarities there in we both sell products or services that are judged on the product itself. So what happens in the build up? No one really minds that much. Very interesting. I, I didn't catch that. Um, uh, but thanks for restating it, uh, Jamie. Absolutely. Like, how are you measured? How is your service experienced by the customer? And how are you measured on that? And and both of you have this, like, yes, they're coming in and then all oh, this is happening. High impact experience in a condensed period of time. And you've got to be on it. Like Kasia, you yeah. mentioned, you can't just be knackered rolling in, you know, giving 80%. That can't be happening. right? It's, it's like, has, it's very, very clear. You have this huge like injection of energy in a, in a time frame. Same with you, Jay. The team has to be totally on it. You can't have people like half cut on 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 the day. They've got to be totally there. So that's interesting. It reminds me of anything that has rhythmical like that. Sports maybe are, is that way. You know, uh, you know, you got to turn up and, and be there. Any events, any entertainment type stuff maybe has a similar vibe where your your energy is key. That the human resources you have are actually a key component to the experience that other people uh, are going to provide for you. That person needs to be looked after. Um, very very interesting. Um, okay, question that you, neither of you answered. So, so why don't you give it this this way? Like, what would you do differently? Like, have you made any mistakes uh, through through this journey? Like, and you've learned to say, okay, if I set up a new business, I want to do this. How would you work it differently? Kasia, go to you. Um, yeah, I think I actually liked how we did it 
but uh, it's not to say we didn't make any mistakes. I think it's very important who you bring into the business based on having that decision to work um, four days a week. And it's very important that people want to do this and understand why you're doing this. Um, and then did another you, thing. Did, I don't want yeah. to dig into the past, but did you yeah. did you not do that? And did you hire someone where you weren't you, you weren't entirely clear on the communication? Um, well, we did hire one person who decided after a short while it wasn't for her. And I think it's not even the four day work week that got to her as much as the the other part, the extreme flexibility of ours. Um, because again, um, I think like, I think if you only push for like a four day work week and people don't get to choose which day is off, it doesn't really solve the productivity problem for me. Um, and maybe it's because of the way I am as well. And maybe it's the way that our team is built, but we tend to like, I'll have a really great Wednesday sometimes, you know, when I can work 12 hours and I'm getting everything done, but then on Thursday, I just, I can't, I, I, I'm not just not doing anything at all. Right. And unless you're in training, that is absolutely acceptable to us. Right. So you can, um, like you'll check your email, but other than that, you don't really have to, um, stay at work eight hours for four days a week. You know what? That's a, it's a really interesting phenomena because it's like very deep understanding as to your own working rhythms. Um, and uh, like people need to have the self-awareness. The candidates need to have the self-awareness when yeah. they come in because they may not actually know that, you know what? The reason why you left your last job is because you, you, you're working to a structure that didn't suit you personally. And now yeah. that you talk about it, I'm reminded of a friend of mine. He's, I think, very similar. Like, can, literally can do a massive block of work, 12 hours blasted out, and then incredible things happen. But then you can see that it, he spent after that. Um, there's a needs to be a two to three day recovery time. He, he's broadly useless in uh, sort of after a, a huge burst of energy like that. Yeah. So, um, and it's it's that recovery time that actually that's i think our biggest the biggest thing we've learned so far is that you you know even with a four day availability in a week you don't get to do four training days you only get to do two each week that's our maximum because otherwise technically in one week you're able to do four and still deliver a good quality of workshop but the next week you're just not going to come to work at all right and we're not getting any value out of you so I think for us, that is the biggest learning. Um, we don't schedule any calls after a workshop, even though it ends at 2 p.m. You know, there's nothing going on afterwards. Um, and also we don't do more than two days of that intense work every week. And then the, the other two days, you know, like there's work around communicating with clients and preparing the materials and so on. But it's more like introverted work, work for two days and more extroverted yeah, yeah. work for two days as well. Akasha, you're introducing ideas that we should have absolutely be, 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 be talking more about in our industry, which is, as you say, the extroversion, introversion uh, style of working, sort of energy expenditure, energy intensity of the work. Um, I mean, I work, I would say I work every day, but my energy intensity is generally quite low. <laughs> it's, it's like it fucking is like i'm taking big breaks all the time it's like yeah I'm, I'm, i don't take calls don't take meetings i'm just like chilling out most of the time but i am working every day um so but it's just like a, on a level like this 
But for you and your business, it might just spike like this. And actually, you need to have zero time. Um, okay, well, I'm going to come back to one thing, which is what do you do with overtime? But I'm going to go to Jamie first um, with the, this same question. What would you do again differently if you could replay? Yeah, I think what we realized is you should ask people if they actually want a four-day week before you do it. We didn't. We jumped in with both feet. Someone come up with the idea. We knew people were getting burnt. We thought it would be this big, you know, everyone cheers when you announce it because what an amazing work perk. You know, you're going to you're gonna be at home 20% more time out of a week. And actually what we realized after announcing it was 50% of the team didn't want to do it. And it was, it was six months in that 50% of the team did And it was the younger guys as well. And when we started to ask them, they said, you know, um, they didn't feel that they were learning as much because a lot of them learned through being in the office. And actually you were taking 20% of that away um they, they felt that their social scene was being taken away because friday was always the beers in the pub on a friday wow. afternoon they were and they were losing that as well so so actually Dude. the younger the young guy said we wouldn't have done it we want to work more we want to be in the office more um you know we want to be out socializing with the team more and actually when i think back to it when i was a, a young lad at monster friday was my favorite day of the week and you'd look forward to it yeah, yeah exactly right so you know, you're taking it away from people. And yeah, I, I would ask, don't don't assume everyone wants to work less. Just don't make that assumption. You know what? My Can mind ask, is... Go ahead, Adam. Yep. What, would, it, would it have made a difference if... There's two different things there, right? There's the fact that they wanted to be at work because they wanted to learn and they, they're ambitious for their careers and they wanted to get, uh, you know, really get stuck into it. And that was, you know, part of their the, the definition of who they are probably. But then there's the second part, which is, but like we also miss, we're missing out on the fun social stuff. You're, you're fun when you're in your 20s, you know, half your social life is like your work colleagues and stuff like that. Would it have made a difference if the day off was the Monday instead of the Friday? Yeah. Would that solved some of it. I think, I think, I, yeah, I, th I think so. Um, the, the overwhelming <laughs> thought and comment though was they felt that their peers and other companies, because they were in the office more, would be advancing quicker than what they were um and six months in you know everyone was like no we see the benefit in it but at the very beginning uh, they were saying no probably yeah if we'd have done monday we, we picked friday because there's a certain cachet to it right there's a certain buzz oh i don't work fridays you know long weekend and that was the reason we chose the 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 friday also you know a lot of our clients are not really it's, it's, it's the least amount of activity we're getting from our clients on a friday so um yeah, probably would have been actually. And actually, the day you pick, we always just assume Friday. I think everyone assumes Friday, but it's definitely an important point. You have to consider what day of the week that is. And some companies actually split it and say half do Monday, half do Friday, or or Tuesday or Wednesday. And I've seen that. We didn't want to do that though because we wanted the whole team down, and we know that if we'd have done a fifty-fifty, the fifty percent in the office would have been messaging the fifty percent that was off, going, "I need this now. Can you just get it to me?" You know, we know you just sat there in your pants watching, you know, EastEnders. So just get it across sort of thing. So that's why we said it's an all or nothing situation. Can I just ask that's one really, more quick really question? Go ahead. Sorry, Go ahead. One more quick, quick question. Specifically, this is for Jamie. It's, it's not really relevant to Casia because Casia didn't go from five to four. But in going from five to four, what have people got rid of to maintain productivity? Internal meetings, um, a lot of internal meeting bullshit. And it was kind of what we added more than anything else. We brought in Monday and HubSpot um, and bringing those two bits of technology in and getting to talk through Zapier um, reduced so much time and effort. Yeah, a lot of internal meeting stuff, a lot of reporting. Um, we, we started to focus on on, on output. Um, coming from the likes of Monster and, you know, those yeah. sorts of companies, they always focus on input, right? 
Yeah, and this is why you'll very rarely find a sales company that are willing to do a four-day week because they still believe the more you're on the phone, the more money you're making. It's that old-school sales mentality, right? So I've always worked in that sort of environment. And actually, we start to realize, focus on output, focus on the, the end result, and then look. Then afterwards, work backwards and see how people got there, and it's either good or bad, and then change it next month, next quarter, learn from each other. Um, and that's, and that's, been what real- Ka- that's what Casio's done as well, is like focus yeah. on output. Absolutely. And, and it's so important. And this is why I really struggle with when I get a lot of recruitment consultancy owners come to me and say, I wouldn't work in my business because, you know, the more you're on the phone, the more money you're making. I'm like, but that's not true. That's, that's not true anymore. We've actually got this reason why I wanted to bring Andy on. Andy Davis, he's a, a, sort of an MD of a recruitment agency. I want to, I, I, I would say recruitment agency is like the hardest business to sell this into because I, I kind of think they're right. I mean, five days on the phone, six days on the phone, you're going to win. So I, 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 want, to, I want to hear what, what he's going to say. Okay, listen. But actually, um, if, if I just may say that, because I think this has a big impact on sort of the work we do, but also on recruitment. Um, apparently, your empathy severely goes down unless you get enough sleep. People working too much are people who don't have enough time to spend on their own, to recover by themselves, because you need that time too. don't get enough time with their family. So they'll sacrifice sleep. They won't be as empathetic. And so they won't develop the relationships they need to get the job done. Wow. Guys, are you not impressed by that comment there? Cash yeah. is just like dropping these nuggets uh, all the way through. Like you, you will degrade folks. If you overwork your capability, you basically are depleting your skills as you go. You're not the same person. It's like a boxer. He's not the same guy in round nine as he is in round one. Do you know what I'm saying? You, you, like- you, I mean, you do this. You subconsciously do this, don't you? Like lots of naps. Uh, just lazy, man. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe that's my response to trying to keep up all the time. But yeah, it's like, yeah, if it's hard, have a nap. But I think that's a really important point. There's obviously lots more we can dig into, but we have to bring in our other guests. So Kasia and Jamie, great to see you too. Uh, please do enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for your contributions. A lot more to talk about uh, on this topic. That was amazing. Um, Just while we're bringing bringing our other guests on, um, something that Jamie said was interesting. So, like, when I I guess if you if you if you're if you're going from a five day to a four day week and you're not really sure what to do with your first day, that I can guess I guess can be a source of stress. Um, There's a company in Edinburgh called Administrate, which is learning and development software business. And they went from a five-day week to a four-day week, but they put in place a whole load of, it was not quite rules, but it was almost rules around, with your fifth day, you have to learn a language, you have to learn an instrument, you have to work on your fitness, you have to do, put up your goals, what are your goals, and measure your goals. And they wanted people to, um, it wasn't like strict but it was it was almost you almost commit to each other. What are you going? How are you going to, you know, better yourself with your fifth day? You're not going to sit in your pants watching EastEnders. That's another option. I think is very powerful. I think it does influence the culture of the company in terms of the kind of people you attract and deter. Um, because I think you're right. A lot of people do want to have that additional thing and say, "We'll do this." Tom, I'm with you. I'd be saying, "Hey, I want to develop my sleeping skills." Um, because it's very important that I master that. Um, I will be monitoring my sleeping and whether I'm getting my REMs in. Uh, but 
other people will want to do things with it and be more productive. I get it. Okay, we're going to bring on uh, Stephen Brand and, and Natalie Glick. He's been waiting for a long time. Uh, Andy, stay with us. We're going to bring you on at the end. We definitely want to have your input and experience. Um, let's bring on Natalie and Stephen. Oh, folks, whilst Natalie and Stephen are coming onto the screen, um, we always do this in the middle of every show. Now is the time uh, for us to continue the conversation after we finish. Brain Food Live is a show that starts conversations. It should never be a blocker for the continuation of those conversations. What I need you to do now is to take your LinkedIn profile and to put it into the chat stream or the LinkedIn thread or to Facebook or Twitter, wherever you're at. Do it now because you should be able to connect with everyone else who's also putting their links in. And that way you can continue the, your conversation with folks that want to discuss this topic about how to move to a four-day week if you're a recruiter. Um, don't try and stew around this topic by yourself because other people are doing it, have done it, have tried to do it. Talk to those people you're going to connect with. They're going to help you talk through this potentially difficult issue. Um, okay. Um, well, let's welcome Stephen Brown and Natalie Glick. I mean, great to see you too. Stephen, let's go with you first. Uh, quickly, can you introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Uh, hi there, everyone. Yeah, so my name's Stephen Brand, the fortuitously named employer brand lead over at Mambu. A, uh, well, Natalie can explain probably better than I, but a software as a service banking fintech platform. I've been here since November at the end of last year. Amazing. And you know what? We should do a show about how naming actually influences your career decisions. Have you? Did you read that post? Um, where there's like an extraordinarily like disproportionately larger number of doctors named Dr. Bone like <laughs> than they should be um, because, you know, the, for some reason that they, they just like automatically tune themselves that way. Um, okay, Natalie, go to you. Who are you? What it is you do? So I am Natalie Glick. I am the director now of talent management at Mambu. My background, though, is completely sourcing. Before I joined Mambu in November, I was the head of global head of sourcing at IBM. So Sourcing has been my background, and I've completely gone a completely different direction now, Mambo. Great to see you too. Welcome to the show. Now, you guys are really interesting because Mambo are a four-day week business, I believe. Um, uh, that's interesting for me for two reasons. Firstly, because you're inside a business that does this, but also how does it apply within the people and HR business and all the rest of it? Like, how does it all that work? Uh, firstly, can you uh, sort of confirm what that was? Was it four day week when you joined or did you, were you through a transition? How did it work? So if we're four day week for three months of the year and have been since 2015 was when the founder Eugene started it. So from June, July, August, as an organization, ah. we are all four day work week. Very interesting. Just a new flavor, a new wrinkle in the process. I didn't know. So you're intermittently, so there's a seasonality, should I say, to the four day week. I guess that's reflective of the additional stuff people might want to do in the summer, right? So you've set it to the summer holidays with the kids and stuff like that. I just wonder whether that was the motivation. Do you know what the sto the story was, uh, Stephen or Natalie, on this? Like, what was the uh, the idea, the ideology behind this? So I can talk a little bit to, to sort of the, I guess, the founder's principles, which was around wanting to disrupt how work gets done. And one of the ways that, that they wanted to approach that was around the, the amount of hours, the amount of days we need to we need to work. And so we're very interested in, in the early days of the org. So in 2015, we're only three or four years old. So pretty early, pretty early stages to bring it in. Um, and we're keen on sort of experimenting with it being sort of seasonal, taking a period where the whole company moves to a four-day work week. I think there was a period, if I'm right, if I understand the history probably, where we were 
um, where that was dif differently applied in different markets. So different regions could opt for different periods of the year where they would be on the, the four day work week. I think if we talk as to, to Jamie's point about the learnings, I suspect one of the learnings was it doesn't really work if 25% of your company is off in spring, 25% is off in summer. I think the, the, the learning there was if we're going to do it, we all do it in that same sort of period of time. Um, and I think in, sim in probably the simplest terms, we're a European focused um, company, majority of headcount still in EMEA. And so having it over that summer period where typically more of us would be on holiday, the schools are out, where the weather's nicer, where activity and productivity levels would shift down anyway, was, was the, the simple, simple choice there. I would probably have voted for Christmas, but um, wasn't around at the time. So That's very interesting. Um, so um, I guess it was the first time both of you have worked in a business of this type, correct? With, that had this type of oscillation between five and four um is that right uh, and, and ibm we ibm had summer fridays so when i was at ibm we did take fridays off in the summer so I, it felt I, is this a revelation to you adam like i'm, I'm a, there's two companies already that are saying they do this like i didn't even know it existed um ISIMS actually does half day Fridays during summer. Really? Wow. I'm just so ignorant. Um, go, go ahead, um, uh, Nasser. It's maybe a common yeah, thing. Yeah, I think so I got used to it. And then my last year at IBM, they actually took it away and said, we're not going to do summer Fridays, but you can do learning on Fridays instead, um, which I think disgruntled many employees because I think, Adam, you called out earlier about this Scottish company that wants to mandate some things you should do with your Fridays. But actually... I think if you've got a day off in a week, it should be the day that you take. And I think the chat was saying it for you to refresh. It's not about what the company wants from you, but they're giving you this extra day for you. Um, and something that one of our mantras at uh, Mambo is to bring the balance. So it's bringing the balance at work, but also bringing the balance to your personal life. And how can you find that balance? So we don't mandate a day off at Mambo. You can choose any day of the week, which is nice. Um, some people choose a Monday and a Friday. So they do the Friday of one week and the Monday of the next week and have four straight days off. Other people will just do a Friday because they like that. Other people will just pick a day a week and do whenever they want. Uh, so it's really nice. But IBM, we did get used to it and then it was taken away. So that was a sad day. All right. Two big points there that's worth worth making here. Number one, it's one of those that if you do do it, it's very difficult to roll back. So you can't say, oh, we'll give it a shot. And then if you decide to roll back, guess what? You're going to trigger a lot of uh, attrition that way. Actually, it might be a good idea to get rid of people you don't like. I mean, maybe that's one of the things you could do. You know, hey, three, four day week, folks, do it for three weeks. And then everyone gets used to it and then pull it back and then see how many people you get rid of. So maybe a, a kind of a cynical way to potentially get rid of people you don't like. However, like Machiavellian really, isn't it? Yes, it's smart though, isn't it? But I would imagine most people would do it with genuine interest to say, actually, we want to experiment for some reason, cold feet, maybe new leader in the business or whatever, something happens, they roll it back. That's a huge problem suddenly. So you have to anticipate, you have to be very clear on it. Uh, and secondly, Natalie, you mentioned that there's a, there's a kind of a sense of choice. So everyone can choose the day. Um, that's really interesting. And I am, I am concerned that could be problematic because what if there's like contingencies or dependencies that you have that's hard to plan for when people, like as, you, as a manager or a leader, 
like you got to be on top of everyone's switching days, right? So suddenly you think, oh crap. Like, what, what would you imagine would be a problem? So I would imagine, let's say I thought like Steve, I needed to have him doing this. Like we we assumed that Steve normally takes his days off on Monday, but you know, we so therefore we have this thing on, on Wednesday. And then suddenly Steve is not there and it turns out he's taking it on Wednesday and everyone can't work because he's there. So, uh, and we want to respect his time off and we don't, we don't bother him. Like, is that, so how do you manage that issue well, where there's like contingencies? An I mean, and when, when when can you do an all hands? You can't. You can. You just accept that things will be recorded and some people will miss it and they can catch up afterwards and they get back. But I think if you're too strict with the for, the work week in general anyway, people are going to be sick. People are going to take holidays. Those things are always going to happen. So if you always think that way that we can't do this ad hoc because someone's going to miss something... I think we all have to be grown up enough to, again, results driven, knowing what our goals are, be performance led in that initiative and not think about, I can't get this done because Stephen's not here because Stephen might not be there because he's sick. I'll tell, yeah, I'll tell I you what. The other thing, go ahead, Steve. Sorry, sorry, Hank, go very ahead, quick. The other thing is, I guess for us, it's very much, it's part of a, it's a benefit. So it's an option for people to take. I don't think it's mandated so I think, again, if, if you're in a position where you've got a particular week and you think, right, I need to go heavy this week, it would make my life uncomfortable and my team's life uncomfortable for me to take. I can I can say, fine, for this week, I'm going to go for the five. And, and I accept that. That's, that's kind of um, a risk. That's a, a work situation. And I can decide to do that. It wouldn't be mandated that I would take my, my dick. So you, you have still that individual and team sort of freedom to, to flex around how the work gets done to make sure productivity remains and that you're not letting people down. It's there kind of as a benefit rather than sort of as, as a sort of mandated must yeah, This is I, good I, because taking taking time off can, for a lot of people, it can be a real source of stress because they know that, they, they know that they're taking it off and they're going to come in to just double the work when they go back in. Exactly. Double, the in, that, double the inbox and doesn't that that sort of <laughs> destroys the whole purpose of lying on a beach being incredibly anxious about stuff so so it is a little bit about uh, i guess about you know getting into the practice of, of being of communication being strong in teams to know who's in and, and when they're in but equally for, for the individual to feel that if if that week doesn't work for them to take that 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 day off they would feel more comfortable working to be able to have the freedom to do that and the flex to do that I would also say that it, it would also train the business to be less contingent on people per se and to be more systematic and more process driven and stuff like this. So it might actually help you know, be, you, you to focus a lot more on automation and process efficiency because you can't be in a situation where, oh, we absolutely need to have everyone here at, at this point in time because we've seen with COVID that doesn't happen anymore. You know, we've seen with all this, the, the, the reliability can't be there at, at this stage. We've lost Natalie. I think we're going to try and get it back, but uh, there we go. Super interesting. Um, uh, uh, Stephen, um, in terms of the, the, the sort of your relationship with other parts of the business um how does all, everyone obviously has the same rights so everyone has the same uh, kind of sense there but is there any anything you need to do that's different from working in a five at the, on the five day mode when you switch to four day are there additional things you need to do to make sure that things are getting efficiently sort of delivered to to, to the supply to your uh, stakeholders um I don't think there's anything specifically we do that other organizations working on five days don't do. I think we probably are a little more 
conscious certainly around things like our communication and, and clarity and frequency of, of communication. Um, I think we, um, if anything, over communicate around when people are in and out. It's very easy to see who's in and out when I think we're very clear with each other when setting meetings, when setting goals that happen at any point over the summer period about who's going to be in when to be able to set those dependencies up front. So I think we've had as a as a business, we've had a number of years of practice, certainly if I think about the engineering teams that are facing off with customers and delivering product and fixes, and they've had multiple years of, of practice to understand how to enter their roadmaps for the year into their sort of the that sort of customer facing teams to be able to include the four day work week and its implications on that roadmap. Um, always allowing again for the fact that those individual teams can take a decision collectively or individually to say, actually, for the next fortnight, we're working the, the five days because there's a piece of work that has to get done. In fact, sometimes we might work a bit of the sixth day because there's a bit of work that has to get done and there's a deadline and we need to meet it. Um, and, and kind of understanding that sometimes that trade-off will exist as it, as it does for five-day companies. Yeah, I, I think that sometimes we can see sort of self-organization occur, can't we? Let's say you've got a, a, a team, it doesn't have to be top down. If you're working on a project together, you might say, you know what, let's crash through this week. We'll do, we'll, we'll get that time back when we when we push through the project. I think that can happen. It's happening very similarly to remote as well, where companies that have a kind of a flexible approach in terms of are you in office or not in office, sometimes you get this self-organization emerge where people say, you know what, let's get together on this point occasion not coming from management or anyone like that it's literally operational individual contributors saying let's pound out some work together it'd be cool to do that and then they go ahead and do it so a lot of it is like just devolving the decision making uh to people at the operational uh level uh, okay adam you're about to say something real quick i was no? gonna ask yeah i was gonna ask Stephen about like from an employer branding perspective um this is something that the company's done since 2015 is it something that you can really amplify as part of the employer brand or do you tend do you not really because it's a three month period and therefore it just makes it look like summer's better the rest's just like the same as everybody else or what's the and also a lot of companies do four day weeks now it's not like it's not a standout nobody else does it what, what was your what's your thinking about all this so I think for, for us or for, for me, it's it's that the four day week, the benefit that is the four day work week over that period of time is one example of a, a, cult, a working culture that exists at Mambu, which is very empowering to the individual to decide how, when and where your work gets done. Now, not without barriers and, and you work within within teams, but, but to a, a, a larger extent than any other organisation I've worked at. I have real freedom to decide how, when and where my tasks get delivered. And everybody across the organization from Eugene as co-founder down and, and he takes, you know, he's religious about four day work week. He, he does it. If you see that happening, it's easier for everyone else to take it. But it, we all have that. We all have that sense of freedom about, you know, we've got X to deliver. It's kind of down to us very much as subject matter experts, leads, members of teams to decide how that happens, I think. So from an employer brand point of view, that's the amplification. And the four-day work week is just one sort of tangible expression of that. And Natalie, what's the impact, like from a talent management perspective, what are the kind of main things that you've needed to think about on this specific issue? 
I think there's things around time management, around um, people taking ownership and accountability. So ensuring that we offer the training to support that and allow everyone to know what's expected of them. But, and Stephen said it about Eugene really um, empowering everyone to do it. He does it, our CEO does it, and religiously does it. And all our leaders are doing on purpose to model the behavior so that everyone else feels that top-down approach of if they're doing it I can do it and I should be allowed to do it and not feel guilty for it um I the other day was trying to arrange a meeting with one of my team and I was like oh let's do it on Friday when I, we both got time and I was like no, no actually I called myself out that like, we're not doing that we both got this day off just because we have a, a deadline in our heads we'll just push it out a week because it's more important that we take that time than we deliver it on that day yeah very interesting I was about to ask a question about whether you know are there like aberrant managers. So it looks like the team is following the leader, which is great. I think you need to have a CEO doing that. But is there like once, you know, passive aggressive person is like, you know what? Yeah, <laughs> pressuring the team is coming. But no, that doesn't exist. That's good to know. Um, okay, listen, we're running out of time and I want to get Andy on. So I want to say thank you very much, Natalie and Stephen, for coming on and sharing your insight onto how Mambo do it. You've actually introduced me to a completely new idea, which I should have known, but I didn't know, which is the fact that actually companies already are oscillating doing a seasonal shift. Why don't we all do that? Because let's face facts. In the summer, our productivity is going to go down. That's a normal thing. We should actually recognize it officially and actually make uh, such a much better communication uh, with our staff and our I don't people. Think it, as a and imagine how much that. more fun you could have at Wreckfest if you had the day off after. Yeah, but it's not about it's not about it's not about like admitting that people don't do anything in summer. That's not part of it, is it? It's all just Fridays. Let's be honest. Who works on a Friday anyway? Well, yeah, okay. I mean, I, Maybe it is. The, the five day week itself is kind of crazy. So we can go to four. I think I'm actually going to mention it. I think it was Muammar Gaddafi that tried to suggest this way back when. <laughs> one of his airbrain schemes. I thought, you know what? Everyone should agree with him on this one point. Because if the entire world moved this way, we'd all not get any competitive advantage doing it. Now, I do believe, though, in certain jobs and certain contexts, it might mean more advantage to do more work which is why we're going to bring our next guest on for the, to finish us off, because I think I want to explore uh, whether it does make sense for a recruitment agency to actually go to a four-day week. Uh, so, Stephen and Natalie, great to see you too. Um, hopefully, you have a good end of the week, good weekends. It starts for you right away. So, enjoy the rest of your weekend, folks. Thank you. Cool. Um, we're going to bring Andy straight on um, because we're running out of time. Oh, why am I typing it in there? But this is really interesting because everyone's saying, hey, listen, we all do it by productivity, et cetera. But you know what? Back in the recruiting days, you did a bit of recruitment back in your day, Adam. You know, extra. I worked hard. And my extra effort, my extra time translated into definitely more sales. If I was more sure mature, if I was more mature when I was a recruiter between what? age 21 and 24 or something like that. If I was more mature, I would have spent probably 75% less time dicking about and a lot more time just doing my job. And then I could have probably done my job in three days. That that would be a very unusual person. Um, there was one recruiter, and I want to bring you on a sec. There was one recruiter we know. She was the top biller every single year. She was absolutely brilliant, but she was very strange because she basically did a proper nine to five by clocking, Five, and she was well known that she was the earliest out of the office. Uh, and everyone's saying, yeah, yeah, whatever. But she kicked she, everyone's asses in terms of bullying. She, she was had, so disciplined. 
she had built up a personal brand or something like that. So clients and candidates were coming to her. That's what she did. And that's why she could be productive. Am I right? She was amazing. She was amazing. Amanda Karakashin. I never forget her name. Amanda, if you're watching this, big respect. Always remember you. Okay. Um, Andy, Andy, Deb, it's good to see you. Thanks for waiting. It's been a little bit longer to bring you on than I wanted to. But Andy, quickly introduce yourself. Who are you? What is you do? Yeah, no, no problem. Enjoyed the chat, to be honest. Um, Andy Davis, the director of Highfield Professional Solutions and DataX Connect, which is another brand within our business. We're a 50-ish strong infrastructure slash data center recruitment company based down near Winchester. Fantastic. And tell us about your journey to four-day week, because this was a switch you made about a year ago or something, was it, Andy? Tell me about that. Yeah, so pretty, exactly 12 months. So last July, we rolled it out. Um, basically, in short, it came from our employees. We ran a workshop type day with our employees after COVID to try and gauge what was important to them now. And what came out of it was time. Yeah, they wanted more time. So a few ideas that came for them were, can we you know, take Fridays off if we're on target? Can we start later? Can we flex our hours? There were lots of different options. And again, to cut it short, we threw the ideas around as a leadership team and came out with a four-day week rather than incentivizing it. Just let's just give it to people. Um, and we ran a six-month trial from July to the end of 2021. Um, we learned a lot in that six months. We extended the trial again, and then we, we rolled it out full-time. Amazing. Um, what did you learn in the trial? A lot, I think. <laughs> I think, I guess, planning, efficiency, productivity were all the key words around. I think we obviously just put the idea to people and, and rolled it out. Outputs were expected, targets stayed the same, pay stayed the same. So everyone knew that their target was exactly the same as it would be if it was a five-day week. We all, they knew we were going to manage solely on outputs. So you deliver X amount of outputs and revenue, there's no problems. And I think what people struggled with first was planning their day, trying to be as productive over four days as they were over five days. Some people found it really easy. Other people found it really challenging. And I think a lot of that was to do with kind of where they were at in their journey. Obviously, you've got the more experienced consultants that could adapt a bit quicker. Some of the more junior consultants really struggled with suddenly having to condense their workload into four days. Um, we learned things that we implemented. I was listening earlier around meetings. You know, meetings were always an hour, aren't they? Everyone puts a meeting in 9 till 10, 10 to 11. So 15 minutes, 20 minutes, make meetings optional. So if there's a leadership meeting or a team meeting, do you all need to attend? Give people the option. So it was things like that that we learned. Um, and also the split between sales and operations. Sales are really easy to measure on outputs. You know, if you build X revenue, you've been successful or you haven't. Operations with whether it's payroll, credit control, you know, um, office support, you can't measure them on outputs as easily. And they also need to be available on Fridays. So we had to flex a lot of that along the way. So yeah, it's a number of different things really. That's very, very interesting. Um, and uh, you know what? Now that I come to think of it, I remember the top billers back in my agency days. They they never did five day weeks anyway. They were, they, well, they were already... I, was, I was laughing earlier when one of the reasons for doing a five day was so everyone could go out on a Friday. 
was like, does that not answer your question in itself? Because we looked at productivity on Fridays. And let's be honest, Friday afternoons, are, you know, in the recruitment world are pretty much everyone goes, everyone goes to the pub or everyone's slowly winding down. So you're actually not losing a lot from an efficiency perspective. I know that we did, for example, we let our higher performers you know, on target finish early on Fridays anyway. So they're actually only losing half a day rather than a whole day. Mm. So there's a lot of things that when you actually look at it and analyze it, you can find the productivity quite easily if you actually analyze what you do during the working week. All right. Go on, I, uh, uh, yeah, I, I want to ask, Andy, um, does your com- do, do your company find it a lot easier to uh, hire experienced people into your business than it did? Yeah, so look, the main reason we did it was well-being and people, which I think one of your guests mentioned earlier, and it's exactly the same with us. But yes, retention, 100%, um, and recruitment. We, I know when we do speak to other agencies, we know everyone's struggling to recruit at the moment. Yeah, it's Well, it's been a very busy market for the last sort of 18 months. We don't struggle at all. We, we no. turn more people down than we do bring in. We, it's, it's allowed us to raise the bar internally rather than kind of just accept, I don't know, people that you take a punt on people. Now, our bars become very high. Um, and it also opens a diversity workforce as well. We've got quite a lot of sort of working parents and you know, knowing that they can, that they don't have to pay for five days childcare. You know, they can take the, the fourth day off and or you know, they, they can use that fourth day to do whatever they want. So it's helped massively from retention and attraction. In a in a tech type business, like what I what I just said to Natalie and Stephen about, you know, does it really help you stand out? Because a lot of tech companies do it in yeah. your industry. I mean, there's there's no doubt. Hardly anybody does it. So you're going to stand no, out. It's, it's a massive employer brand uh, credential. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what we're finding is that we've had we get approached obviously by other agencies saying like, how did you implement it? How's it going? There's a lot more talking about it now. We didn't deliberately do it to try and be ahead of the game. We genuinely did it for our people and thought it was the right thing to do. But it's definitely being talked about now by a lot of people. And I think a lot of it comes from that, from our brand and other agencies' brands talking about it. You know, we're we're breaking records year on year. We're billing more money. Our people are happier. It's really no one leaves, which in this game is, you know, unheard of. All right, so so there's there's, there's the the moral reason to do it, uh, uh, but there's also business practicalities like rec- recruitment qualities higher because you're more attractive business. Your attention is better, so you're not losing people and having to backfill. Um, your your credibility in the market is increasing, so other companies are looking at you. That's got to be a positive thing. So it seems to me there's a lot of pluses starting to stack up here um, that seem to be very very compelling even in uh, a marketplace, a, a vertical, should I say, that I had previously assumed would would, uh, would be most resistant to it simply because of the overwork. Uh, a quick question for you, Andy. Feel free not to answer this because it is a bit about the staffing side of it. Is there a consultant in your company that just blasts through anyway and, and kicks the ass out of it? So in other words, yes, everyone's doing well, but is there someone who just says, stuff it, I'm cracking through, I'm doing five, six days, whatever, and I'm earning even more because that's my motivation. Does that happen um, uh, in your business? No, I would say. But what, what we, so we work Monday, so everyone knows, we, we do take Fridays off, so everyone's off Friday. So we don't work Fridays. We did toy, you chatted about earlier, the Monday, Friday, but we were kind of of the, 
it was better for our clients and candidates to know that we're closed on one day rather than have a skeletal workforce on a Monday because everyone wants Friday off anyway. So that's how we did it. But what we found is our higher performers performed better because they became more efficient. So I think they were able to flex easier than the ones that were developing. It was, they would still be available, like, again, like you were talking about earlier on a Saturday or a Sunday. If they had, if they had a urgent role to fill, they'd fill it. If their client called them, they, they'd answer it. That doesn't change. So all, all they do is they condense their work Monday to Thursday. They, their clients then get you and their candidates get used to that fact that that's when they're available. And on Fridays, you tend to only really be dealing with critical, urgent things. So, you know, whether it's dealing with an offer or arranging interviews or, you know, doing some feedback, it, it's the urgent stuff that you still do on a Friday, which the people you're talking about would have done it on it, would, would still do it on a Sunday night or at yep. 5 a.m. on a Monday morning because that's how they're programmed. I bet HR teams uh, really appreciate this. And I bet this has helped you to uh, potentially, you know, increase business as well. Would I be right in that? No, correct. Yeah, and it's it's something that we probably don't do well enough in messaging it to the market. So we're looking at that as a piece at the moment, like how do we actually get it out there? But I have a lot of clients, and we do as a business, ask us how it's going, what did you do, what have you learned? And they, they want to do it themselves. And would it work in our environment? Because we, you know, we're a construction business or we're, you know, it might not work as sort of standardized Monday to Thursday, but you could flex differently. So yeah, no, 100%, it, it does help from that perspective. A future revenue stream for you, Andy. You could be a consultant, uh, like a, a professional service consultant on how to structure four-day a week. I mean, if, and firstly, agencies, if they're coming to you for this, I don't see why that's not a chargeable workshop. Uh, like you could totally well, say, I'm, I'm available. And Andy <laughs> could do that with his fifth, he could do that with his fifth day. That's, that's it, yeah. Five, five, five grand a day every Friday helping companies understand that's how it. to implement this. Crack through. The, the, the funny thing is, sorry, with Fridays as well, like, well, you know, I, I've been in it 22 years, so I'm kind of old school trained, you know, and like we all were, that early start, late finish, that was kind of how we how we were, were trained and how we developed. So I still work Fridays anyway. You know, it's like that's how you're programmed and some people are happy doing that. You're not forced to do it, but... If you want to do it, so again, someone said earlier, if you want to work Friday, you can work Friday. No one's going to stop you, but you've got that flexibility. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, you know what? Um, so I, this has been a really educational um, uh, sort of episode. It reminds me a lot to say it's similar in some respects to remote, and it's no surprise that that's the case, um, that where lots of similar things need to happen. You need to communicate. You need to, there's all kinds of different ways to do it. It's not just four-day week. Um, you know, the seasonal four-day week, there's a, a sort of a, a ra radical flexibility. There's a fixed time to do it. There's all kinds of condensed time. So there's a lot more complications to work it out. But as more companies do it and prove the case, it seems to be something that's moving forward, even for the industry, which I thought would be most difficult to do, which is the recruiting uh, function. Um, okay, anyway, Andy, listen, I'm going to let you go because obviously you've got an hour or two left in your week. Uh, so go ahead okay. and enjoy the go rest of your time there. <laughs> yeah, uh, you might as well use use the time in good way. I would love to get you back onto the show, Andy. Great to have your input on this. Um, you have a good week, sir. Thank you.
Cool. We've run over time, folks. We're going to have to finish it there. Tom, thank you for your question. I thought very valid. How do you manage like time off during a 40 week? That's actually very interesting. Like, how do you do that? Probably just roll it normally, I guess. Um, but, um, but yeah, interesting one to think about. Uh, it seems generally positive. We're moving in this direction in any case. But anyway, folks, we're, we're coming to the end of the show. So thank you for watching. The ones that are still with us, uh, there's a longer show of the year. I'm actually very hot and sweating away. So apologies for all of the, uh, the, the moisture on my face. Probably very unpleasant. We'll be back next week, folks. Back on Friday, we are talking about how to be influential on video. Um, because guess what? Recruitment, sales, it's all influencing. How do you become an influential person when you actually don't see your stakeholders anymore? Back in the day, you had all kinds of ways in which you could build relationships and actually get things done kind of back channel, but is everything in the remote world is front channel. Um, how do you actually navigate this? Can we get better? We're going to bring on some people that think they know what they're doing in terms of influencing people on video. It will be a fantastic show back on Friday, folks. So make sure you tune in. Ah, okay. That was a great show, wasn't it, man? Do you enjoy? Yeah. Yeah. Did we do it on Thursdays? Did we do it on Thursday this week so that all the people who don't work on Friday could tune in? None of the panelists would have tuned in. On, I, I didn't want to ask them to tune in on this do it on, on a their, Friday on the day off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah. It, it it only occurred to me when it was Stephen. He told me that I, I invited him to do it. He used to prepare to turn up on Friday, and then he told me actually it's you know it's Friday right. off. Oh crap! If that's the case, we'll shove it forward because it makes no sense to do otherwise. Um, but yeah, I think generally speaking, it's going to be. I know you mentioned Monday, but I think generally speaking, it's going to be Friday. People are going to take off. Um, unless you're a mega company that's big enough, maybe you'll do a, a split. A, a mate of mine works for the government. He does condensed time. He takes Wednesdays off because he wants to never do a, a run of work. But he's a lazy ass like me. You know, he's like, I want to do maximum two days a week of work. I have a break two days, then have another break, and life's life's great. Anyway, that's it. Um, what's interesting? Cool. Anything happening for you this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to Goonhilly sixty. Uh, Goon Hilly is like a space station in um, in Cornwall, and it's their 60th, oh. an 60th anniversary. So they're doing all sorts of space-themed things, and uh, including space-themed like orchestras and stuff like that. Yeah, you're loving Cornwall, aren't you? Um, yeah, like you're good. You're loving it. Have you been to the Eden Project? That's supposed to be amazing. Um, I've been a few times. Yeah. Right, uh, yeah, awesome, yeah. Awesome. I haven't been this. I haven't been. This, I haven't been this time. But we went. We came last. We went last year. It was. Yeah, it's terrific. Really great. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Listen. Thanks for turning up. I'll see, see you next week. Cheers.